0: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran.
1: Welcome to a Monday, Victory Monday episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. We're locking in, and I'll tell you what, you hear the words all the time in sports, especially when it gets to playoff time, survive in advance. And did the Buffalo Bills ever take those words and take it to the limit on Sunday? Survive in advance, barely. But a win is a win, especially in the playoffs nonetheless, and the Buffalo Bills advance to next week's AFC Divisional Round. A huge matchup looming with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a game that we've been, you know, the league has been waiting to see all year. We all know what happened a couple weeks ago. Now these teams are going to meet again. It just felt like fate, like destiny, that it was ultimately going to happen. This time it's going to be in Orchard Park. Anyway, that happens because the Buffalo Bills did their part, defeating the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, 34-31, to in a game that was a far, far bigger nail-biter. I think than anybody expected. Again, thank you everyone for tuning in, locking in today's solo episode. Not going to be a very long one. Audio only, not going to see this on YouTube today. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, I'm not going to lie. All week long, and I almost don't like this. I kind of get, no matter who the Bills are playing, I find a way, and admittedly, it's not like the most mentally healthy day on earth, but I always find a way throughout the week to get me a little bit of uh, anxiety going into a Bills game. No matter who they're playing, I always feel like they can find a way to, to, to mess things up. And this whole season has been about winning the division or getting the number one seed or at worst the number two seed. So every game to me is always important because these games that you lose in a regular season, it don't seem like that big of a deal. Like for an example, when the Bills went on the road and lost to the Jets, won the end of the world, but ultimately probably cost them. In fact, it did cost them the number one seed in the AFC. But anyway, I digress. Here's my point. All week long this week, this past week, I was like calm, like almost like too calm. I mean, confident is an understatement as well. Now, I said all the right things on the show this week. I didn't want to come across as arrogant and cocky and overconfident with the Bills. So I said all the right things on the show multiple times with Joe Yurden, uh, with Aaron Quinn. And also like with conversations with family and with friends and people at work and stuff like that. And on social media, I've wrote all the right things, the right tweets, the right Facebook statuses. But honestly, there was like literally never a a single solitary second this entire week leading up to the game where I thought for, uh, again, even for a second that the Bills could see their season end to, a. in the wild card round to a, to a team quarterback by Skylar Thompson with no Raheem Mostert playing a bunch of banged-up guys on the offensive line, guys out on defense, just all the key injuries Miami had, obviously no Tua. Um, I just, I found it, I, I really tried hard not to, but I found it almost impossible to not be overconfident. Even if, again, if I was saying the right things or, or writing the right things all week long, of course, we're talking to playoffs and me and just the way I get before games And about an hour or so before kickoff on Sunday, right around noonish, I had breakfast, settle in, turn on CBS and I started getting those nerves, man. I was, I was finally in my mind, uh, able to imagine the bills losing right before the game and it started driving me nuts, man. It gave me anxiety. And then you want to talk about a roller coaster. So the game starts. And I don't know, by like maybe 1.30, game starts at 1 o'clock, By it's like 1.30. All I start thinking about is, well, are the Buffalo Bills going to play the Cincinnati Bengals? Or are they going to be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars? When, who are they playing? Is it going to be Saturday or Sunday? Or what time? Because in my mind, the Miami game is over early. I mean, it's 14-0. Dawson Knox looks like he catches a touchdown pass. It's about to be 21 0. Turns out that uh he didn't get his hand underneath the ball fully, so they end up kicking a field goal. Whatever. It's still 17 0. And it's like we're like maybe one more play away from Miami, like just running for the bus. They want to get warm. They want to get back home to Florida. It was a good run. They got to the playoffs. All the injuries consider this year a success and just be done. I felt like they were ready to get. Blown out, ready to get murdered, just get out of town, too. That's the way it was trending anyway. But of course, what would uh what followed just a Buffalo Bills mental brigade of uh bad errors, big mistakes, turnovers, they commence and what ensue for the next three hours? Which by the way, that game felt like it lasted for like seven hours. I think the first half alone was well over two hours. It felt like it lasted literally seven hours. But anyway. What ensued was just complete and utter stress for Bills fans. For, I'm sure for the coaches and for the players as well. It, it was just unbelievable and unfathomable that the Bills allotted team like Miami and, and all the injuries and everything that was going against them and being down 17-0 on the road in a playoff game to, to not just get back into the game, but to actually lead in the second half. And then at the very end, Miami had the, the ball with just a few minutes left and a chance to tie or even win the football game in the final moments. Just, man, take, take your, your breath away. I God, I'm pacing around my house so much. I can't barely even, like, compose myself. I, I was so nervous. I'm just being honest with you, man. I Almost hard to breathe a few times. Uh, obviously, look, the Bills won. I'm not going to lie, man. I was mentally drained when this game was over. And I was just even mentally drained. I was like physically drained from, from this game. Uh, tell you what, after like decompressing a little bit, had a, had a bite to eat, had some dinner with the fam. And, and I straight up, man, I, I took a pretty long nap. In fact, I slept through the, uh, the conclusion of the the New York Giants upsetting Minnesota, actually. which is good for the Giants, by the way, more on that in a few, but, uh, yeah, man, just drained. Was just <laughs> it was an exhausting Sunday. Now, again, look, all that matters at the end of the day in the NFL, in any sport, when it's the playoffs, is you win or you go home. Bottom line, the Buffalo Bills won. So they live to fight another day. And now we know it's that other day is going to be next Sunday, 3 p.m. against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to run through some some good and some bad from Sunday's game. But again, you know, the most important thing too, and I think away the Bills had a little bit of lady luck on their side. I mean, all these turnovers, all these mistakes, but I also feel like they caught a a couple breaks. Like I said, especially with the injuries, man. And they did rare its ugly head. I thought Miami played pretty well, all things considered. But then things like, you know, multiple occasions, not getting plays in until it was too late. Just a lot of little things that you would expect from a team that had so many backups in there. It really took its toll. But anyway, man, this, the Bills avoided a disaster. That's what it comes down to. The Buffalo Bills, and this season, it's all been about redemption. And last year with 13 seconds, and this year since the end of last season, all through this offseason, the draft, training camp, and the regular season for me – it's been Super Bowl or bust. If the Bills don't get to the Super Bowl, this whole season to me feels like a bust. I mean, at the very, very least, at least making it to the AFC Championship game. If you don't get to the AFC Championship game, that means you didn't improve on last year. And no matter how many high points, no matter how many good things that came from this season, or were they not to advance, and would they have lost on, on this Sunday, it just would have been a colossal failure. In fact, more than that. This could have been a loss, and had they lost, might have been, considering they were, what, 14-point favorites, this might have been the most embarrassing and inexcusable loss in the history of the franchise. Seriously. That's how, that's how strong I feel about it, had the Bills found a way to lose this game. But bottom line, they didn't. The Buffalo Bills win. They advance, they survive, and they will face the Cincinnati Bengals Next week in the divisional well, round, like I said, got some good, got some bad. Uh, not going to be a long episode. Get you out of here pretty quick. But uh, first, let's go over some of the good things. And I'll tell you right at the top for me anyway. Key rookie contributions. Uh, this has been a, a year with rookies. When you look back at this draft, in fact, even a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about it. Some offseason stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about the draft and kind of evaluate the 2022 draft. And I feel like this draft class from this past year, in part because the Bills are really good, and it's hard for some of these guys to get a lot of snaps. But it's kind of like one of those wait and see classes. You know, not a lot done on the field as rookies. But this week, when quite frankly the Bills really, really needed it, um, these some of these rookies came up really big. One of them, Khalil Shakir, thrust into not just a role but a starting role because Isaiah McKenzie was inactive with a hamstring injury. Khalil had a pretty big game. Three catches for 51 yards, including a big 29-yarder in the second half. Now, he had a big drop late in the second quarter that really, really hurt the Buffalo Bills. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But still, a, a, a few big plays. So I thought Khalil Shakir held himself pretty damn well. Again, all things considered, in, in the pressure of a playoff game, having to step in for Isaiah, and I thought he did well. Another rookie, who's been probably the most consistent rookie on the Bills over the last at least six eight weeks or so, James Cook. He had a 12-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Ought to put Buffalo up 14-0. So again, another rookie contributing big. But I'll tell you the big one, and I did not see this coming, uh, Kyrie Elam. Now, he didn't start the game. In fact, I'm not even sure he played much, if at all, in the first half until Dane Jackson, who started the game, got hurt. He went down with a knee injury. Some point in the second quarter, and then Elam came in. Well, I'll tell you what, Kyrie Elam had that interception in the third quarter. Miami was up at the time 24 20. Then, five plays later, after, uh, after the interception by Elam, the Bills score a touchdown. They take the lead. He also had a, a near second interception defending Tyree Kill. Nice pass breakup, got his hand on the ball. And then, of course, near the end of the game, it's fourth and five. Miami needs a first down basically to have a chance to tie or win the game. And he had a huge pass breakup on uh, Mike Osecki. It was 2.02 left at the time. And it gave a Bills, uh, it gave Buffalo the chance to, to run out the clock, which ultimately it did to end the game. I'll tell you, in one afternoon, uh, I think Kyrie goes from a guy who was like a first round, first year bust for Buffalo to possibly being uh, the MVP of the game for the Buffalo Bills. In fact, I think he was, in my opinion the MVP for the Buffalo Bills on this day. So a huge, huge day uh, for the rookies, and especially for Kyrie, which, by the way, it's really good to see that. I'm sure he's been frustrated this year not getting the opportunities that he was hoping to, and he's been injured for part of the year. I don't know, as we tape this late on Sunday, what's the story with Dane Jackson, but I would strongly suspect, based on what we saw Sunday, that it'll be Kyrie going forward, uh, as the CB two for the Buffalo bills. And based on what we saw on Sunday, that's deserved because, uh, Elam came up big and it's great to see. So anyway, key rookie contributions. That was a good thing from this game. Another thing, which is not surprising the bill. Look, the bills linebacker combination of Matt Milano and Tremaine Evans has been great all year. And I mean, they were really, really good on Sunday Milano was all over the place. Now he did miss one open field tackle. I think it was on a fourth down two that allowed the Dolphins to convert. But all in all, man, Mil- Milano was an animal. He was all over the place. 10 tackles, two sacks, three quarterback hits, two tackles for a loss. Like I said, the guy's just everywhere. He makes plays. It was so good over this past week to see him named first team all Pro, An honor that, that well, I don't, I don't want to say it was overdue. But it certainly was due. It was deserving. We've been seeing it all year. Milano's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And then he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. But he makes All-Pro, which matters much, much more. Great game for Matt Milano. And also a really, really strong game for Tremaine Edmonds. Five tackles, four passes defended. He was great in pass coverage. Not good. Great. A Brutal hit. I don't remember who was on up top of my head. But, man, he drilled somebody, knocked the ball loose. Borderline. Hits in the head, but was not called. He had a tackle for a loss. I thought Tremaine Edmonds was really, really good. And I know he's one of those polarizing guys on this team that people either love or they hate. I'll tell you what, this offseason is going to be fascinating. The Bills can't lose this guy. I don't think so. If the Bills want to continue to run the type of defense that they do with two linebackers and a nickel at all times, pretty much, you need a guy like Tremaine Edmonds there at middle linebacker. I don't think the Bills can lose him. I don't think they're going to. I think if Bush comes to shove, I I think they would franchise tag him. I'll tell you what, he's going to get paid. If the Bills let him test free agency, he's going to get paid. And I don't want to get into free agency stuff. Hopefully that's not something we have to start thinking about for at least a few more weeks. But anyway, my point, Matt Milano Tremaine Edmonds, excellent. Um, The Bills defense in the third quarter as a whole, excellent. Excellent. Miami took, a, took the lead on the first play of uh, Buffalo's first play to third quarter. Josh Allen gets sacked, fumble, recovery, touchdown. And just like that, the Bills go from being up three to down four. Uh, then, they, then I think they had to punt, and, and it looked like Miami had a good chance to, you know, open up a, ni- a nice lead here. But the Bills' defense in the third quarter was great. They forced two three and outs. And then on the third possession for Miami was the big Elam interception. So they never let Miami get ahead and get comfortable. And by the way, again, that Elam interception led to a go-ahead Bills touchdown. As a whole in the second half, the Bills gave up one good drive for Miami. It was an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. But aside from that, defense played really good. All Miami's other scoring drives for the game were 38 yards or less. Uh, The defense as a whole, four sacks, two picks, seven tackles for a loss. And eleven quarterback hits. So, I thought the Bills' defense was really good. Like I said, especially in the third quarter when things were looking really shaky for the Bills after the the Josh Allen strip sack fumble touchdown. Uh, in particular, another thing I want to mention specifically, I thought Boogie Basham had his best game of the season. I had a sack. Had a handful of other pressures. I thought that Boogie stepped up on a day where the Bills got very little from Greg Rizzo, a guy who I like a lot, and, uh, and especially A.J. Epinesa, man. I mean, not sure what's going on with him. But at any rate, Boogie Basham stepped up. I thought it was his best game of the season. Um, another good thing from this game, from a Buffalo perspective, is Tyreek Hill did a little bit of damage, but they didn't let Tyreek Hill kill them like he has the past couple of years. The last couple of years, now granted, of course, this was with Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, but Tyreek Hill has absolutely torched the Bills the last two years in the postseason. He had 11 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown last year in the Bills' heartbreaking divisional round loss at Kansas City. And then he had nine catches for 172 yards two years ago when Kansas City beat the Bills in the AFC Championship. This time around and again, Big difference between Patrick Mahomes and Skylar Thompson, but still, seven catches for Tyreek, but only for sixty-nine yards and zero of those plays went or catches went for twenty or more yards. So I thought the Bills did a really good job of containing Tyreek Hill coming into this game. There really wasn't a lot to be worried about on paper when you you know you analyze this game ahead of time. But we all thought, and rightfully so, that you know the one thing that could really hurt the Bills as if Tyreek Hill ran wild on him. That didn't happen. I thought the Bills defended him pretty well, in part, which is another point. I think Trey White played his best game of the season. He had two pass breakups, including uh, getting a hand on a a deep ball, and he knocked it out of Jalen Waddell's hands. At first, it looked like Waddell dropped the ball, but when they showed the replay, you could see that Trey White did a really good job of getting his hand on the ball and knocking it out. That, That was a huge, huge play. Um, you know, and by the way, the Bills had a few of those on Sunday. Um, Teron Johnson knocked out a pass. Um, Kyrie Elam did as well. And like I said, Trey White. So the defensive backs did a good job of knocking the ball out of hands. But I'm talking about Trey White here specifically. Look, he's still not 100%, um, you know, from the Trey White that we saw for years before the pre-ACL injury. But he's certainly looking better every week. Uh, I still don't like seeing guys get behind him. Like We saw Waddle get behind him once or twice on Sunday, maybe a better throw, and you get a different result. We saw uh, DeMar-, DeMar Chase get behind him in Cincinnati during that you know game that lasted a half a quarter. So there's things to be concerned about with him, but hopefully, I think his confidence is definitely grown with each game mentally, and he's getting better physically out there, and we're starting to see the best of him right now, and, and obviously, hopefully, Uh, going forward as well. So I liked what I saw from Trey White on Sunday. And then of course, on the other side of the ball, man, Josh Allen, I like Josh Allen for the most part. Anyway, Josh Allen, 23 for 39, 352 yards, three touchdowns. That ain't nothing to sneeze at. You know, Josh was, he was under a lot of pressure. In fact, he was under pressure, literally the entire afternoon, seven sacks. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute too. But for the most part, he delivered. You know, certainly a few mistakes, and we'll get into those in just a minute, but I thought Josh played very well early on, and I think he also played really well in that drive that culminated in his third touchdown pass of the game, the one that gave Davis more on him in a second as well, which, by the way, ended up being the winning score after the Elam interception. So I thought for the most part, minus, well, One mistake that was clearly on Josh and then a couple other things that might've just been kind of bad breaks. But aside from that, I think Josh Allen played very well, certainly well enough for the Bills to win. A couple more things here. Stephon Diggs early on, at least anyway, seven catches for 114 yards in the first half, including a 20-yarder and a 52-yarder on the Bills' second drive of the game that led to their opening touchdown. Look, this guy is simply too good to not be centrally involved in the game plan at all times. And at least early on, Ken Dorsey and the Buffalo Bills certainly got that memo. They went to him a lot, which, by the way, no coincidence in the first half that the Bills had a lot of success on offense in no small part because Stefan was getting the ball. Seven catches for 114 yards, all in the first half. So Stephon Diggs early was great. Um, a couple more things. The guy that lines up on the other side of him, Gabe Davis. Playoff, Gabe is back. That was huge for the Bills, man. Look, you want to talk about a polarizing figure on this team? Maybe, with the exception of maybe Tremaine Edmonds, there is not a more polarizing player on this team right now than Gabe Davis. He looked amazing at times in 2021. Then, of course, he went bananas in Kansas City, 201 yards and four touchdowns. I think we expected the world from him coming into this season. And quite frankly, he hasn't really delivered. I know he's been hobbled with the ankle and the foot. And I still feel like maybe mentally that's weighed on him as well. Regardless, we just haven't seen the Gabe Davis that we were hoping for. And even as recent as a week or two ago, myself, who has been like a leader, a founder, a co-founder in the Gabe Davis fan club, even I've been down on him. I, I've looked at him at times, the way he runs his routes, uh, the way he's catching the ball, not getting his feet in bounce, where he's, I've said it. In fact, I think it might have been, if not last week, the week before, where it was like, he looks lazy out there at times. Well, anyway, was not lazy whatsoever freaking ever on Sunday when the Bills needed him, man. He was fantastic, fantastic. Six catches, a buck 13, And a 23-yard touchdown, which, by the way, was a great catch in the end zone, bringing that down, too. So six catches on nine targets. And I'll add that all three incompletions on those nine targets were were poor throws. So playoff game, Davis is back. And if the Buffalo Bills are going to make a deep run, and if teams are going to do everything possible to take away Stephon Diggs, like at least it seems like Miami went all out to do in the second half, And guys like Gabe Davis are going to have to come up big. And he certainly did, did on Sunday. Another guy who came up big. Again, opportunity presented itself with Isaiah McKenzie out was Cole Beasley. And, you know, it's funny. I should tweet or delete tweets sometimes when I put them out there to save myself embarrassment. But that's just not, I'm not like that. I don't roll like that. That's not who I am. I tweeted at some point. Um, Cole Beasley first there was a pass thrown to him that he didn't haul down, not really his fault. But then on Josh Allen's second interception, it hit Beasley, his chest, kind of took a bad bounce and ended up Miami picking it off and scoring and tying the game close to the half. That was kind of on Cole Beasley. And I was like, yo, I've seen enough of Cole Beasley. In fact, I tweeted something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I don't have the tweet in front of me, that for all you Bills fans that were so happy about Isaiah McKenzie being active. I said, I, for one, will not be happy if Isaiah is inactive next week because this was after Shakir dropped a 51-yard bomb, which was a terrible drop, by the way. Huge drop, terrible, inexcusable drop. And then a ball intended for Beasley ends up being an interception. I'm like, I've seen enough of Cole. But tell you what, turning on the second half, two catches, two big catches, one for a six-yard touchdown in the third quarter that gave the Bills a three-point lead. And then another for... 29 yards, a catch, and it kind of dragged defenders with him. All uh, that was set up the touchdown pass to Gabe Davis on the very next play. So Cole Beasley, opportunity was there, and, and he seized it. And I'll tell you what, I know a lot of fans are divided on how they feel about him because of how his tenure ended with the Bills last year. I don't give a shit about any of that. I'm happy for Cole Beasley. I'm happy for the offense. He's an asset, and, and he proved it. So good for him. Uh, another thing which Devin Singletary, I'll tell you what. I mean, he really didn't do shit for for the most part for the game. But when the Bills needed it the most, it's third down, seven yards to go inside of two minutes. They run uh, Devin Singletary and he gets seven yards and and a couple inches. First down, bam, game over. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big James Cook guy. In fact, I said it a week ago. Give me James Cook out there for 75 to 80% of the stats. Because I want him out there and not Singletary. But I'll tell you what, game was on the line. Bills need a first down to run the clock out. They run the ball to Singletary three times and the man delivered. I've been trying to run this guy out of town all year. And I still think maybe he's a free agent after this year. He goes somewhere else. Good for him if he does. But I'll tell you what, credit where it's due. I thought Devin Singletary ran the ball with conviction and he willed his way to that first down. If he do not get that first down, We'll never know. And I'm glad we'll never know because who knows if Miami would have got the ball with 30 seconds left or whatever, what could have happened? But Devin Singletary iced the game. Big credit to him. Uh, two other things that were good. One, team discipline. I'll tell you what. The Bills have made a lot of uh, mental mistakes with penalties this year. They made plenty of mental mistakes on Sunday, but I'm talking about penalties here. They've had issues with penalties all year, but not on Sunday. Uh, just two penalties for 13 yards all day long. And one of them was an extremely questionable uh, defensive holding call on Trey White. Should not have been a flag and Trey was irate about that. So really good game for the Bills in terms of team discipline. And then the last thing, you're in the playoffs now. So it's about two things. It's about winning and it's about staying as healthy as possible getting into the following week. And the Bills, at least as I tape this Sunday, um, a pair or two have escaped any significant major injuries. Now, we'll see about Dane Jackson. He did lead with the knee in the second quarter. Uh Elam finished the game and obviously made impactful plays. So we'll see what happens with Dane. But again, like I said, as we take this anyway, I don't know of any other uh, significant injuries for the Bills. So in that regards, it was a very good day for the Bills. So those are the good things. I'm going to take a real quick break. I'm going to come back. Got a handful of things that if the Bills are going to beat the Bengals next week, straight up, they're going to have to clean up. Be right back. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, live, up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, and you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the OddsTrader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, we're back discussing a very big Buffalo Bills 34 31 wild card round victory over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. We went over a lot of the good points. Let's talk about a few of the bad first and foremost. Duh. Turnovers, huge mental errors. They allowed Miami to hang tough all day. So, again, the Bills are up 14 0 earlier. It's almost run for the bus time for Miami. They're about to get up uh, three scores. It looks like a laugher. And like I said, Dawson Knox drops a touchdown. Now, it wasn't an easy catch, but he should have caught it. Fingers didn't quite get under it. So instead of 21-0, he settled for a field goal at 17-0. Still, I, I really think if they, if it's 21-0, I think Miami shot. I, I think saving four points mentally really helped them. But even after that, man, they're up 17-3. And that's when Josh Allen made his worst decision of the day. There was a bomb intended for uh, John Brown. Terrible throw, terrible decision, which by the way, a lot of is on Ken Dorsey, more on him in a second. It gets picked off by Xavier Howard, who not only picks the ball off, but he returns it 49 yards, at least over Miami field goal. Uh, then Miami forces a punt and um, Martin punts it for the Bills. Cedric Wilson catches it, returns it 50 yards. A bad special teams play by the Bills. It's not technically a turnover because we're talking about turnovers here, but it kind of felt like it. Anyway, that leads to another Miami field goal. Uh, Then Josh throws his second pick of the second quarter. Though again, this time I don't really put that on him. Not really his fault. That's more on Beasley. Uh, It's picked off by Javon Holland. Returned to the Bills 18. Late in the half. uh, Leads to a Miami touchdown. And then a two-point conversion. And bam, suddenly it goes from 17-3 to 17-17. Literally gift-wrapped all on Buffalo Bills blunders and again loss in all that was uh Khalil Shakir dropping what would have been a 51 yard bomb now at the time the Bills are up 17-6 okay I I should have said that ahead of time so the Bills are up 17-6 Josh starts running spots Shakir throws it down the field perfect throw Shakir catches that ball they're inside I think the 20 or whatever the Bills likely score a touchdown they're up 24-6 worst case they get a field goal and it's 26 again. The 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 momentum that Miami had gotten by getting two field goals off two blunders of the Bills, that's all gone. And I, you know the Bills go up 26. Worst case, like 2013 or whatever. Into the locker room, and the Bills are, are are looking good. But Shakir drops that pass, just an inexcusable drop. And like I said, it just led to a just a host of big Bills mistakes. Now, of course. Uh, maybe the biggest one, the first Bills offensive player to third quarter. So Miami gets the ball to start the second half. The Bills defense forces a three and out. They get a punt. Uh, the Bills get pinned, and Josh Allen gets sacked. Strip sack, fumble, recovered by Sealer for a five yard touchdown return. And bam, just like that, Miami's winning. First time all day. Miami's up 24 20 after the Bills run one offensive play in the third quarter. It's just, see, things like that. This game didn't need to be a dogfight, man. It didn't need to be a struggle for survival, but that's exactly what it was, and that's 100% directly due uh, to Buffalo having three turnovers on offense, two bad drops, one by Knox, one by Shakir, and just a horrible special teams coverage on a punt. Add all those up, and you go from being up three, two, three scores, maybe even more than that, and all of a sudden you're down 24-20 and then for the fight of your life. Didn't need to be that way. So that was bad. Another thing that's bad, Sean McDermott's timeout management. I, I do want to think about it right now. It still pisses me off thinking about it. Two timeouts wasted on defense in the second half, which really could have hurt them. By the way, both plays right before the snap and both times on plays that would have went Buffalo's way. Just, I don't know, man. Something seemed a little bit off with Sean McDermott on Sunday on the sidelines. Not sure what it was. Now, he lives to fight another day, and that's great. But if you're concerned about Sean McDermott as a head coach when it comes to Sunday or Saturday, whenever the Bills are playing football, those 60 minutes, game day management, if one of your concerns is how McDermott does during those situations on game day itself, in-game adjustments, decisions, clock management, things like that, this game to me did nothing and I mean nothing to alleviate any concerns I have about the guy, especially on playoff game days. And doesn't make me sleep any easier. And it doesn't make me not think about 13 seconds anymore. Go back to that last year. And I can't help it. I don't want to, but I can't help it. And I love Sean McDermott as a man, as a leader of men. But he blew that gate last year. Those 13 seconds, Sean McDermott blew the game. Sometimes you wonder what is going on with him when it comes to to just decisions in the game. Again, great leader of men. The job he did after what happened to DeMar Hamlin, unbelievable. Now we're talking playoffs, and I'm concerned about the guy again, and this did nothing to alleviate, alleviate, I should say, the concerns that I had. So that, to me, wasn't good. Sticking with the coaches, Ken Dorsey to play calling in the second half, brutal. How does Stefan Diggs have one, just one target in the second half? Let's start there. That just, that can't happen. One target for Stephon Diggs in the second half. There's nothing in Miami should be able to do, especially when they're blitzing as much as they did. Bringing in the house. I know they're not double and triple teaming the guy because they got seven, eight guys rushing the passer, right? How do you get Stefan Diggs just one target in the whole second half? Can't happen, man. Cannot happen. Uh, You look at the Bills' last two drives before running out the clock. So their second and third last drives, technically, were we're both punts. One of them, it was like an infuriating. So the Bills got the balls and infuriating three and out, man. The Bills are up 34-31. First down, long pass attempt to Gabe Davis. Second down, ditto. Throw long down the left sideline again, incomplete. And then on third down, he takes a sack. That's how you're managing a three-point lead in the fourth quarter? throwing the ball down the field, low percentage passes to beat the blitz. Come on. Terrible. Ugh, I, don't, I just, another thing too, I'm look, I'm all for, for not getting Josh Allen hit whenever it's possible, but this is the playoffs, man. There's, I do not think there was enough calls dialed up for Josh to take advantage of his legs design plays. I'm talking about anyway. So again, days one target in the second half that don't work for me. And there was just, Far too many, like nothing or, or or all. It was all or nothing passing calls from the Bills. I love the vertical game as much as the next guy, man. I like exciting football, especially when you got a guy like Josh Allen toward a football. Oh man, sometimes you just gotta gotta try to move the chains. And I, I just, I did not like Ken Dorsey's game plan in the second half, and I did not like to play calls at all. That's a concern of mine. I'll jump to the other side of the ball, Ed Oliver. Now look, Ed had a sack, so... If you're a box score guy and you look at this, the you know the stats, or had a sack. Don't let that sack fool you. He was unblocked on the play, literally, and it was a gift sack. And even then, he nearly whiffed on it. Aside from that, look, Ed Oliver was eerily silent for me anyway on Sunday, and I watched him a lot. I thought he was in for a big game. Um, Eichenberg, the, the guy from Miami, was out there. A the practice squad guy playing a guard. Oliver lined up over him a lot. I thought Ed Oliver, for the most part, was silent on Sunday. The guy's too good, man. Or at least he's too good at times to, to not have a bigger impact, especially considering, again, like I said, he was lined up a lot of the day over some dude on a practice squad, okay? Last year, the Buffalo Bills, the biggest worry was, in you know, having an effective pass rush when, you only ran, when they only rushed four. That's why they pay Vaughn Miller a king's ransom during the offseason. Obviously, he's out. And on Sunday, front four did not generate that much pressure, man. They just, they just did not They were forced to blitz a lot more than they probably wanted to know in part because they probably weren't worried about Skylar Thompson making quick decisions and beating them. Like they will, you know, with Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. So I get it. And they were successful to their credit. These blitzes were, were largely successful, but the bills, they need to, they need to do a better job with the front four. Cause like I said, there's a big difference between Skylar Thompson and Joe Burrow next week. You know, the Bills need more from Ed Oliver. That's where it starts. I'm not gonna put too much stock into uh when you when you're talking about the future for, for Ed Oliver, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, the Bills, if the Bills are gonna pay this guy what I'm sure Ed Oliver's gonna want in free agency, whether it, you know, they want it, he wants to get an extension this offseason or next when he's due to be a free agent, I better see a hell of a lot more in the divisional round than I saw from him this Sunday in the wild card round, because Ed Oliver just wasn't getting it done for me. And staying with that front four, what the hell's up with A.J. Epinesa? I mean, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not going to rip Greg Rizzo because he's been fantastic this season. But again, he had a quiet day too. But I'm confident in Greg Rizzo to step up. But I don't know, man. I have little confidence in A.J. Epinesa right now. I'm at a point where he might be inactive for me or he, he barely sees the field. Against the Bengals because I'm just getting a lot more from Shaq Lawson. I'm getting a lot more from Rizzo, and we got a lot more now from hopefully going forward too from from um, Boogie Bash. Maybe you bring up Jonathan and, and, and elevate or not elevate and make him active on game day. You said AJ Evanessa. I know he had seven sacks for the season, but I just thought he came up completely empty against Miami. Did not like that at all. Uh, I, one other thing too, uh, Josh Allen. This is the last thing. Getting sacked seven times. I mean. Look, I'm not going to blame it all on the offensive line. I mean, again, Miami blitzed a ton. It took a lot of chances. That was their ride-or-die defensive game plan. Blitzed the living shit out of Josh Allen. Sometimes they just brought more than the Bills could block, and Josh had no chance. Other times, maybe Josh could have made a quicker decision. Other times, an offensive lineman would miss a block. Combination of a lot of things, but, you know, I need to see the offensive line do at least a little bit better job, or the running backs do a little bit better job, or the Bills, whether it's Josh Allen or the Coach is doing a better job of picking up what's coming. Not gonna fault anyone specifically, but seven sacks on your quarterback is not something that you want to see again next week. And uh sticking with Josh, like I said, only one design run. And that went for 12 yards, too, by the way. It was a third and seven, and Josh has willed his way to the first down. Uh, you know, I discussed that with a few minutes ago with Dorsey. It's a playoffs, man. Get this guy to move more. You know, I think maybe Josh, the threat of him running more design plays. Uh, whether the quarterback draws, whether they are rollouts or, or sweeps with the quarterback, whatever you want to do, I think it opens up things a little bit more for, for plays to run out of those formations. So I didn't like that. Like I said, I didn't like seeing Josh get sacked seven times, and I don't like him only having one design run for the the entire game. So anyway, that's the bad. Quickly here before we get out of here, run the league. Uh, we know now the Bills are playing the Bengals. The Bengals. Very much like the Buffalo Bills struggled way more than most people thought. Putting away a divisional rival, just like the Bills. Playing a team with a backup quarterback, just like the Buffalo Bills. But again, this is the playoffs. Style points don't count. All that matters are the W's and the Bengals advance, ultimately winning by a touchdown. So now they come to Buffalo uh, next week. The other AFC game, I still can't believe the Chargers blew that lead against the Jags. Brandon Staley's got to get fired. He's got to pay for that with his job. So now Jacksonville goes into Kansas city and I know on paper anyway, it almost looks like Jack's or Kansas city just got gifted a free ride to the AFC championship. I'll tell you, I, I thought the Chargers, and I still think the Chargers were the team that could knock off the chiefs just because they know them so well. They've played them so tough and should have won a lot of the times they played in recent years, but uh, I don't sleep on the Jaguars. You never know. You never know. So uh, that was your AFC division around playoffs next week tell you, it was great to see the Giants upset Minnesota, at least from what I saw, because like I told you at the beginning of this episode, I was so drained from the Bills game, I actually slept through all the end of it. But anyway, I am so, so happy for Brian Dable. I'll tell you what, happy for Isaiah Hodges, too. I'm not going to get into it now with the Bills letting him go, but I'm just happy for the guy. Dude had eight catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. He has become a focal point of the New York Giants offense. Happy for him. That's awesome to see. Uh, on the other side, the NFC, San Francisco handed Seattle pretty well. Look, if Brock Purdy could play decent, and he certainly has at this point, I really think San Francisco might have the best team in the NFL right now. And I'm serious. I mean, they got playmakers galore on offense. You got Debo Samuel, got Kittle. Of course, you got McCaffrey now, and their defense is just vicious. is the best defensive player in the league right now. I mean, whoever wins that game, is. we're taping this for Sunday night, so Monday morning drop. Whoever wins on Monday night between Dallas and Tampa, they may be in for a really long Sunday uh, when they got to go to Frisco. But anyway, look, when it comes to the Bills, look, I don't know if it's better. And I love your opinion on this, too, by the way. I don't know if it's better for a team to win a close game where you make a lot of mistakes like the Bills did on Sunday. You know, the Bills allowed Miami to stay in the game. I don't know long term, certainly not better in the moment. That's for damn sure, but. Going forward, I don't know if it's better to, to have that kind of game where you don't play well but you scrape out, you fight out a victory or if you just get on the field and you run your opponent off the field like the Bills did last year in the wild card round against New England where the offense literally couldn't be stopped. I don't know what's better. And I'd love to, to get your take on that because, one, your confidence could be rattled. I mean You're not as good as you think you are. Because the Miami Dolphins, you know, they almost beat you. But at the same token, you go out, you beat them by 45 points, and maybe you go to practice this week some kind of false sense of security. I don't know. I'm hoping the Bills, when they do it, well, maybe not practice on Monday, but at least a walkthrough, whatever they're doing, they're starting their preparations for for the Bengals this week, which is the key, that they're doing just that. They're preparing for the Bengals, and thankfully we're not talking about a locker clean-out day because, again, that game, scary and stressful. But i tell you, man, if they make those kind of mistakes again against Cincinnati, it'll be a wrap on their uh, Super Bowl dreams. That's almost a guarantee. I'm not going to talk about Cincinnati today. Uh, we'll save that. i got multiple shows coming up this week. In fact, Chad D. Domenicis is going to be on Tuesday. He's coming in this week for Joe Yurden. We'll talk Bills. We'll talk Bengals, obviously, with Chad. Of course, Buffalo Sabres. I got Aaron Quinn from Cover One every Friday, Casual Friday. I'm sure we'll talk a ton about the game with him as well. Uh, Let me leave it with with this thought right now. I I feel like, I guarantee you, not I feel like, I guarantee you right now, the Bills feel like if they play next week against the Bengals that they played today, they're going to lose. That said, I also guarantee you right now, that the Cincinnati Bengals feel like if they play next week, like they played against the Ravens, they're going to lose. What a game that should be. And it doesn't even need to be said, but I'll see it anyway. Given what happened a couple weeks ago with DeMar Hamlin, what almost happened that night, his amazing recovery. By the way, do not be surprised if DeMar Hamlin is on the field with the Buffalo Bills on Sunday against the Bengals. Bill's Bengals, the game everyone wants to see. This is the way it has to end. For one of these teams, the season's going to end. For the other, they're going to the AFC Championship. Two great teams. This is the way it has to end. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thank you very, very much for listening. Make sure you follow me on Twitter if you haven't already, at Pavarant Like I said, Chaddy Dominicis coming up on Tuesday. Aaron Quinn coming up on Friday. A huge, huge, huge week. Thank you very much. Talk to you guys uh, tomorrow.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?